been going through the book of Psalms each week, reading it on our own. Today you're going to hear Psalm 103 from a friend of this family, Susan Peters. Susan is one of the pastors at Antioch Waco. She also leads a ministry called Unbound, which works to fight sex trafficking and human trafficking here in uh, America and around the world. Really powerful ministry. And so she's going to share with us today. You're going to be blessed as she shares what God has done in her and from the Word. So, Susan, take it away. Thank you. It's great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here. I was excited when Zach called and um, asked if I would come, and he specifically asked for me to share my story, my testimony, and Psalms 103, which I was eager to do because the very first time I shared my testimony many, many years ago, um, I shared it from Psalms 103. Isn't that neat how God just, he knows every single thing, every detail. Sometimes we don't know what he's doing, but then you can look back and say, look at God. Amen. So super excited about that. Um, I want to introduce you to my family first because they're my life here. And this is um, Marty, Mr. P, I call him, little bald head back there. He's so cute. We've been married 28 years. So blessed. He, um, his joy is um, our family, number one, and then he loves to um, minister to children. So he's always in children's church. If you ever come to Waco, that's where you'll find him. And then um, I have four girls. Anna Joy's with me here this morning. And I have Jessica, Lindsay, Anna, and Brooke. And Brooke, this is her um, engagement uh, party. So she is getting married in December to Cameron. We wanted to add some height to our family. And so super excited about um, my family. Amen. So, all right. So we're going to read along on Psalms 103 to get started. I love this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives us all our sins. Everybody say all. All. And heals all our diseases. Praise the Lord. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfies our desire with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Sometimes we have an image of God that he's mad at us and he just wants to hammer us over the head when we do wrong. But the word says he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, that he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Everybody say amen. Amen. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as I For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he's removed our transgressions from us. And this is my favorite part. All of it's good. But the scripture that I use for my testimony is that he takes our sin and he puts it as far as the east is from the west. The Word of God says he puts it in the pit of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember us anymore. That that expensive price that Jesus paid absolutely covers our sin. Amen. That is good news. And I want to share my story with you today and some principles that I hope will move 
every single one of us forward a little bit in God, that you'll experience some of his healing and his deliverance and even greater freedom. And for me, I would say I came from a broken past that was spiritually dark, relationally pretty dysfunctional, and emotionally very wounding. And I looked up brokenness from the Webster's Dictionary, and it's very interesting what it says. It says something that is damaged or altered by breaking, violated by transgression, forcibly separated into two or more pieces, broken like an arm or like a broken piece of glass. And it also included sundered by divorce or separation or a desertion of a parent. And I just think that most people, even in this room, would say that they probably have a level of brokenness in their lives. You may not have quite put that same verbiage, but you're just aware that there's um, maybe a continual plaguing of your mind with, you know, great insecurity or broken sequence of relationships or family dynamics weren't real healthy, that there's this level of brokenness that we need God. We need God to bring in wholeness. We need God to bring in healing. We need him to make those crooked ways straight like he does so that as we experience more of the wholeness of God and the healing of God, then we're able to love and engage with others in a more holistic way. And it's so beautiful the way God displays his beauty through us in different ways. And that's what I want to talk about today. And so the scripture that I really love when it talks about testimony is Revelations 12:11, where it says, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our t- testimony. And that's so important because that powerful blood of Jesus cuts off those generational curses, those things that can so want to plague us. Like he said this morning, that those sins will go to the third and fourth generation, but the blood of Jesus cuts it off so that the blessing comes for a thousand generations. The power of the blood is amazing. And then we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. And I think God's just saying again, don't forget where you came from. Declare what I've done. You know, shame is of the enemy. Shame is you shoulda, coulda, woulda. You don't measure up. You messed up. And we we operate in shame, and so we don't want people to know what we've been through. But that's not God's way. God says in Isaiah 53, I bore your shame so you can be free of shame and say, but God. And so as we declare what God's done in our life, we can be free of shame and say, I needed Jesus. We all need Jesus, and we all have brokenness, but he's not bashful about sharing testimonies in the Word of God, is he? You know, Rahab the harlot, and David in adultery and murder, he just, he just tells it like it is. But then there's the God factor, and it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so that's so important. And I want to also say a word to some of you who were raised in godly Christian families. Thank goodness. We need that. And the scripture says in Romans 15, 1, it says, we who are strong ought to bear up the weaker. And that's so important because, you, you know, if you were raised with whole, more whole, not perfect, because perfection is not our goal and we're never going to achieve it on this side of earth, right? We all need God. But when there's more wholeness in our families and the way husband and wives relate and children, then we can be the stronger for those that have never had that modeling. 
And you'll hear in my testimony how critical it was for me to find families and couples that were making it and that were growing and that were um, really more whole in their relationships. And so if you are from that background, we need you so much. And it's, it's just so important. And so some of my story is I was not raised in a Christian family. Um, as far as I know, my parents and grandparents, no one, cousins or anyone, um, followed Jesus or went to church. My grandparents on both sides were alcoholics. My, um, I had, uh, there's five of us kids in the family, and three of them are 10 years older than my twin and I. And um, my, one of my brothers, my older brother, my older sister are in a gay homosexual lifestyle. And my twin brother dropped out of school when he was 15 and became an alcoholic and all of his life until now, we're still believing God for him, he is homeless and um, a severe alcoholic. And then my mom uh, had bipolar when I was growing up. I was sexually abused as a child. And we moved so many times, like I think nine times, like just in elementary school, like from one duplex, we'd move away and then move back to the other side of the duplex, you know, and I'd walk in the wrong house. I mean, how can you be so confused, you know, in that time? And then I counted and there were 11 divorces in my immediate family. That's just siblings and parents all within the adolescent years. And so you can imagine the brokenness in my own life and my view of relationships and um, just, it was just super, super, super distorted. Um, but I do come from a line, a long line of strong women. Amen. When that's redeemed, that's a good thing. And uh, so I, uh, my grandparents, like I said, were alcoholics and uh, my grandpa one time uh, gambled his money away. And so he didn't have any more money, and so he gambled grandma's chickens away. So I'm just telling you a little bit about my strong grandma. And uh, so the man came to gather up his chickens, uh, but he was met by my grandma. And she walked out with a shotgun and went on the porch and went, you know, cocked that and said, you're not taking my chickens, you know. And uh, so anyway, redeemed in God is a beautiful thing. Not sanctified, maybe not so much. But the sweet thing about grandma and grandpa is after I came to Jesus, I shared the gospel with them and they were never interested, but they lived in a little bitty town called Foreman, Arkansas. And this sweet Baptist preacher would go door to door and share the gospel with the people and pray for them. And my grandpa came to Jesus. And he was delivered the last couple of years of his life in this sweetest man. It was so precious. And grandma held out for a while. And she was in the hospital with emphysema, and she came to Jesus. And the last two days before she left this earth, she would say, do you see the angels? Do you see them? They're coming for me. Isn't that sweet? And I just think the mercy of God, you know, that he hears us when we cry out. And I'm so thankful. And so for me, I was very blessed at the age of 10 I had a babysitter that asked me if I knew what a Christian was, and I said no. And she said, well, God created the heavens and the earth, and he had a son named Jesus, and he sent him to live on the earth, and he healed, and he delivered, and he loved the people so well. But there was sin, and the sin separated them from God. And so he went to the cross, and he took all those sins, and he took these stripes on his back, so that he would take the place of all the sin of mankind so they could have a relationship with God. 
And he said he went and died. He was buried for three days. He raised from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of God in heaven. And if you will ask God to forgive you, ask Jesus to come into your life and believe that he took your place and your sin, then you'll be with him forever. And when you die, you'll be in heaven. And I was like, I want that. As a 10-year-old, the gospel, according to Romans, it says the gospel is the power unto salvation. Salvation, deliverance, wholeness. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I mean, I knew that he was with me. It took. And I remember going home and I shared um, that story with my next door neighbor that was Jewish. And she said, well, I want to have Jesus in my heart too. And she prayed to receive Jesus. And I fully expect to see her in heaven someday. And um, unfortunately, my, my twin brother didn't do that. But um, God has so moved because the power of the gospel. I just can't imagine where my life would be without Jesus. That those generational curses were cut off. That my trajectory of my life was made different. So I want to encourage you, share Jesus. Amen. Especially with children. You don't know what their life is like. But God. And I'm so thankful. And I really love Jesus. I, my mom, you know, was a single mom. We didn't have a lot of money, but I had this really fancy red satin pillowcase. And I loved it. Now, I know it doesn't look like a pillowcase anymore because I am 53. So that makes this really old if you can do the math. But I would lay on my pillow and I'd say, Jesus, if you want to come down, I'll brush your hair like this and I'll share my soft red satin pillowcase with you. And I loved Jesus. I knew he was with me. And that was so powerful in those days. But unfortunately, as I grew through junior high and through high school and didn't have any other Christians, didn't know to read the word of God, didn't go to church, you know, my life started derailing and pain and painful relationships and brokenness just started ensuing. Even though in my heart I really loved Jesus, it wasn't enough to know how to walk with them. And um, when I got in high school, I somehow got connected with a, I was 15, and he was a 22-year-old guy at Baylor, senior at Baylor, and I started dating him and would go and stay with him. And I don't recommend that age differentiation. It was not healthy. But unfortunately, my mom was very sick during those days, and I didn't have any parenting, and I didn't know any better. And so it was a really unhealthy relationship. I got pregnant. I had an abortion. I never thought of keeping the baby. It was not in my paradigm of thinking. And so went on with that and broke up with him just before I went to college. But God is so merciful that he says he causes all things to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So my time going to Baylor, I fell in love with Baylor. And God put that in my heart because he knew that was the best place for me. And it was the only college that I applied for. So I go to college in my mess, loving Jesus but not knowing how to walk with them, dysfunctional relationships. And all of a sudden, I start seeing people who really loved God, who really knew how to walk with him. And I was like, I want that. But if you can imagine the chaos that I grew up in, and then I'm looking at the Christians over here, and I was like, how do you get there? How do you do that? And I think that's important for us to remember that some people don't have a clue, and I was one of them. 
And I was contemplating, how, what would it be like to walk with Jesus? How do you do that? What does that mean? And I borrowed a friend's car, and I went to Dallas for the weekend. I was doing stuff that I shouldn't have done. And all of a sudden, I had grown up in Richardson is where I grew up in North Dallas. And um, I know these streets. I had a hardship license since I was 15, been driving a long time. But somehow I got lost. And that double paved road with the lights all of a sudden became a dirt road and then the lights were gone and then it became a single road and I didn't think I could turn the car around. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I was by myself. And all of a sudden I hit a metal blockade that literally said dead end. And I mean, God spoke to me in that moment. And I don't know if it was audible or in my spirit, but it was bone shaking. Anybody had a bone shaking experience? Like you don't forget that. And I heard God say to me, he said, you're going a one way into a dead end road, turn completely towards me and follow me. And so, man, somehow I turned that car around. I drove home and I went in my house and I was crying so hard because I knew that I had encountered God and my life would be changed forever. And my mom was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, I didn't care about the car. I had to get it fixed. But I was like, I met Jesus. I'm going to walk with God. And she's like, okay, you know. And I went back to college. And I remember at that time, I don't know if very many universities do this, but um, they had the calendar guys, you know, the real handsome ones. And they put them on the calendar to make money. Some of them do that. I was dating one of those guys. That wasn't healthy either. But I remember, I mean, right when I got back, I saw him on campus like 50 yards away sitting on his motorcycle. And I went, see ya. And I'll never forget it because it was like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, goodbye. And it just represented, you know, sometimes you just got to say see ya to things that keep you back. You know, and God just put such a love in my heart for him and for learning about him. So I found Highland Baptist Church at the time. Jamie Lash was there. Hi, Jamie. I mean, he was teaching the word in such a precious time. Do you remember me back then? Of course you do. <laughs> but he was a major teacher of the word of God. I'm so thankful. And I was in the church every time the doors were open because I was so hungry to walk with God. And I think we need to remember that. I didn't get so emotional last service. Sorry. But we need to remember people are out there and they need Jesus. And they're, they're hurting and they don't know what to do. And I'm going to talk about it, but we need the churches of the living God full of the people of God, teaching the word of God, loving people in their brokenness, just showing them how to walk with God, because that saved me, that delivered me, that transformed me. And so I, I came, and I mean, God just riveted my life during those days. And I'm so, so thankful. And if you're taking notes, I would say the first part is loving Jesus isn't enough. We need the fear of the Lord. Because I love Jesus, but I didn't have the fear of the Lord. I didn't know how to walk with him. And there's a Bible teacher by the name of John Bevere that I really like. He preaches lots of great messages and books. And one of the books he wrote is called The Fear of the Lord. And when he wrote it a number of years ago, there was a tele-evangelist that had embezzled millions of dollars of the people of God's money and said that he was going to do projects, but he used it on himself and he went to prison. And he read that book and he asked John Bevere to come see him. And I heard the story that after he heard um, Jim Baker's story, he said, Jim, when did you stop loving Jesus? And he said, I never stopped loving him. I stopped fearing him. 
And it really stuck with me that loving Jesus isn't enough. We need a healthy fear of the Lord. Not the fear of God that he's mad at us because we read the word. He is compassionate, gracious, loving, forgiving. Throws your sin in the pit of forgiveness. But he is almighty God. He's the king of kings, the Lord of our lives, and he deserves our surrender. And there's a balance there. And so I'm thankful that God showed up in the car that day to help me do that. And then um, the second thing I would say that really helped me walk in wholeness was to connect and commit to the body of Christ. And that is so important, especially in today's day, because I think people think that they're connected or they're committed, but the national averages say, people say, yeah, that's my church. I go there. They really only go once or twice a month. That's not really commitment. And for transformation and for our, our, ourselves to be healthy, our families to be healthy, and, and to be a vibrant, life-giving, healthy church, to be involved in each other's life, to be that iron that sharpens iron, to be that healthy place where others can come in and receive that help, we need to be a people that are con- connected and committed to the body of Christ. And that was so pivotal. It's just going to life group, going to Bible studies, finding brothers and sisters that were iron sharpening iron, looking for mentors in our lives that spoke truth to us, seeing people like the lashes and the others that are making it and going for Jesus. They're sharing their testimonies. I, I remember Jamie's testimony. Absolutely remember it from, what is that, 35 years ago? Because the power of the gospel in his life, I could say, then I can do it too. And so we need to be doing that and have a strong body that people can come to. It's so, so important. And we need to be hungry for the things of God. And, and, and you might be here today and say, I have, just haven't been hungry. I can hit and miss and I'm okay. I'm not very hungry. But you know how you get hungry? You get around good food, right? I mean, have you ever already had dinner, but you sit down and you watch TV and all of a sudden you see the crab legs crack? And that, that lemon squirt, you know, and the plate sizzling and those garlic bread comes to the table and all of a sudden you're like, let's go to Red Lobster, right? I didn't even know I was hungry or like seafood, but it looks good. But that's what, it, what happens is pray for the hunger. Pray for that hunger. Get around hungry people. Put yourself in that place. Go to life group even when you don't feel like it. Go to church because you're going to commit to connect and be committed so that you can be who God's called you to be. And it's not just about you, although it will bless you and bless the health of your relationships, but it's about others. It's about him and it's about them. And we need to submit ourselves to that. And and it's so, so critical. And honestly, I'm a little concerned about this generation that, that, you know, we can listen to podcasts and messages, which is great. And so we feel like we don't have to have that local body. But when James and Peter were in prison, their body knew that they were there. They were praying diligently. And it says when they got out in Acts, it said they went to their own company. And so we need our own company. The body of Christ at large, yes and amen. But who knows you? Who's going to know if you're in prison? Whether that's emotionally, relationally, financially, who's going to know? Who's going to pray for you? Where do you run when you're in trouble? You need your body. And we need to be connected to one another to walk in that place that's so important. So connect and commit to the body of Christ. And 
Another thing, I had a friend that discipled me during that time, and she was totally opposite. Her name's Catherine. She was saved at three. She was called to the mission field at five. I mean, she was running hard after God. Three out of four of their, their brothers and sisters all went to the mission field. And mom and dad loved God. They were awesome. But she spent time with me. She taught me the word. She prayed for me. We had fun together, but it was holy fun. We went on trips. We went to New York. We did all kinds of stuff because she loved me and discipled me. She would go home with me to my family, which was not an easy thing to do, but she could handle it. And she loved them and was so non-judgmental that to this day they ask about her. It's incredible. Her father just passed away in his 80s. My husband and I just went to the funeral two weeks ago. And he was in insurance, and then he retired. But he, everywhere they moved, they planted in the body of Christ. They served it diligently. In their retirement years, they um, served in prison ministry in Gatesville. It was just amazing. And when they talked about his life and how he served so passionately his local churches, how he served his wife of 60 years, the children and the grandchildren, what a heritage. And Marty and I left and we said, it's not about the spectacular, it's about the faithfulness. It's about day in and day out and year in and year out, about being who you are in God and how that has a ripple effect. They've been a benchmark for Marty and I all these years, even though we watched them from a distance. So people are watching us because they need to know they can make it. So it's important that we make it, amen? And so um, the, that time I just started growing in God and growing in just fellowship. And the last thing I would say is the third thing is to study and apply the Word of God. Study, believe, and apply the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our lives. Because so many things come against our mind telling us we shoulda, we coulda, we woulda. You're such a sinner. You're not in walking in holiness. You're, you know, you're never going to make it. For me, it would be you're going to be an alcoholic or you're going to be divorced because there's so many divorces. You're going to have mental illness. I mean, there are all these things that would plague my mind. And I'd have to just stop and say, God, what does your word say? I've got to go with what your word says. Not my circumstances, not my history, not what's coming against my mind. I need your word on it. And the word is powerful. Zephaniah says that the word is like fire. And so even when I was struggling and struggling, I would write out those scriptures. It says, you are holy for I am holy. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I would write that out and say, God, I don't feel like it. I'm failing here. I'm failing here. And he'd say, no, you're holy because I said you're holy. And it would just be like a vice script when I would write out those scriptures and it would get tighter and tighter and tighter until finally I got delivered. It just lets go. And sometimes God will deliver us quickly and then sometimes it takes a long time. But we can just keep falling forward, keep coming to each other, keep getting prayer, keep getting the scriptures and just walk out. Of, it just says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just keep on falling forward to be who God's called us to be, that we need the word of God. And I, I wanted to share this one scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 3 in the message about just walking in purity because that was such a big struggle for me. But I like this in the message. It says, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. I mean, to walk in holiness, we've got to go with God's word and not with our culture and not with excuses. 
And there is freedom in walking the way God wants us to. And so for me, I just, when I married Marty and when we're living for Jesus and raising our family in the fear of the Lord, I was like, I don't want any big black things since I got delivered in my 20s. And I've just got this picture of holding his hand at 80. And we're loving Jesus. We're loving others. Our children are loving Jesus and their children. And that's what I hold on to. And so I want to challenge you with the same thing. What is your holiness goal? Because that was mine. I found this picture the other day, and I just love that. That I want to say, I'm holding your hand at 80, and we made it. You know, we're walking in holiness. We're walking in the fear of the Lord. We're walking in being connected to the body of Christ and being givers to make our community stronger. And what are your holiness goals? What is your goal? Because it can't be based on your spouse or your pastor or your parents. It's got to be between you and Jesus. And so I challenge you today, what is your holiness goals just for you? And so really to wrap it up, I want to say some so sovereign of God. I was two weeks from going on my first mission trip. During all this time, my life was getting rocked. And I went home, and my mom was having a hallucination because of the bipolar. And, and she would do that often. And I would just say, Mom, you know, tried to lead her back to sanity. Or sometimes I would just leave the house. And at this time, the man she was living with, she said, he's, he's out of the country, and he's trying to kill me, and there's bombs in the house. And so I just said, no. And she goes, they're in the attic. And so I, it was an old house, and I put the ladder up to the attic, and I moved the doorway out. And I got up there, and I walked around. I said, Mom, there's no wires. There's nothing happening. Um, you know, it's safe. You're okay. And all of a sudden, I fell through the sheetrock. And the beams caught both my arms, and nails went through. Two nails went through this arm. And I mean, I knocked the ladder out from under me, and my mom was going hysterical. But I mean, a supernatural peace of God came on me. And I said, Mom, get the ladder. And I got down, and I came down, and I said, take me to the hospital. And I'm thinking, I can't go on a mission trip with two broken arms. And I'm like, Jesus, you've got to come. Jesus, you've got to come. And I mean, I got in the car, and I started praying, and I started praying in tongues. I didn't care. You know, sometimes your theology just gets rocked when you need Jesus. And I was like, I need Jesus, and I really don't care what anyone thinks. I need Jesus. And I was praying, and because I'd been in church, because I'd been hearing the word, I'd been at a healing conference that they had had at Highland where people were getting prayed for, people were getting healed. And I remembered the scripture from 1 Peter 2.24 that by his stripes I am healed. So I was praying over my arms, and I got there, and it says, it looks like you broke your arms, and they put me in an x-ray room by myself, and they said, we're calling in a specialist to stitch up this muscle, and I was like, Jesus, you got to come. You have delivered me. You delivered my flesh. You've healed my emotions. God, you've done so much. Will you heal my body so I can go on this mission trip? And I tell you the truth, I don't even remember being sore the next day. God so delivered me. And my mom that night got on her knees and asked Jesus to come in her life. Isn't that awesome? She was like, I need that supernatural peace. And so she got saved. And then when my um, Charlie came home, she shared the gospel with him. And he got saved. And they got married. They've been married over 25 years. And they're in church. And they lead a Bible study. My kids don't even know grandma in the mental illness that I grew up with. She's amazing, but it was everything. It was, I mean, she went to a psychiatrist. She got medicine. She got prayer. She got the word. She got plugged in church. It was everything. I'm for it all because God uses everything, right? 
And God delivered her, and she's amazing, and I'm so thankful. And she was able to lead her sister to Christ, who led her cousin to Christ, who led a nephew to Christ that was agoraphobic. He never left the house for 10 years. He got healed and delivered and married and lives normal now. I mean, just rocking. My sister got saved. It's just been incredible to see what God has done. And I'm so thankful and I want to um, just leave you with that. I think these are just a few things that just helped me. And, the, and I like to say the things that it took me to get free takes me to stay free. You know, I still need the fear of the Lord. You know, I was saying in the early service that, um, I, you know, I have certain principles in place to, to walk in purity. I don't just say just I'm going to walk in purity, make it to 80. I've got some systems in place. I don't hang out in people's offices for a long time. I don't talk personal with some of the pastors on the phone. You know, I'm just, I got some systems in place. And, um, and I noticed that I was getting a little, like, not paying attention to him lately. And then I realized that David fell in adultery in his 50s. And I was like, I got to back up. I got to tighten up. I want to make it. You know, and it's not for people. It's for me and Jesus because he's worthy. He's worthy of our lives. And so I put those things in place, and I need to stay connected and committed to the body of Christ. I need my brothers and sisters. There are trials and tribulations that come to the body of believers. Just because you're in doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, what do they say, glassy road and roses, you know? I mean, life is challenging. We fail. People fail. Heartache comes. We need each other. And we need the word of God because when everything's yelling at you and trials come, what does God's word say about it? If he says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? I see the end from the beginning. God, it looks bad right now. It looks bad. No, I see the end from the beginning. My plans for you are good. Lord, this doesn't look like a good plan. This is tough. No, my plans for you are good. We got to have his word on it. Amen. We got to have his word on it. And so it's important that we continue to have that. And I want to use this picture of Jesus because I just want to end with this because this is such a visual that I have. Because when we, you know, Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help and mercy. How many of you need help and mercy sometimes? I mean, we do. And God has made a way and said, come boldly before my throne room. Come and bring those things to me. And I have help and mercy for you. But often what happens is we go to God for prayer and we're so aware of where we failed. We're so aware of just getting bombarded with, you're not worthy. You can't go to God in prayer. You've messed up. You know, all those kind of accusations. And it can be so weakening of our prayer life and connecting with God. But I love this picture because Jesus says in um, Jude one twenty four, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, slipping, or falling, and present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless before his presence. God says he sees you unblemished. Oh, God, look at the blemishes on my life. Mm, don't see those. They're gone for as far as the east is from the west. God, in the, Blameless, oh, I'm hearing those blame words, blame, 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 blame. No, God says blameless. When you come before him and you hear the enemy saying, you did this, you did this, you go, I got to get under the blood. I got to get under the blood. God, forgive me. I shouldn't have been harsh. I shouldn't have done that. And then he forgives you. You're blameless and faultless before his presence. So when you pray, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees Jesus and you're standing behind it. And so you can come boldly before the throne of grace. 
So it's not on your own merit. We don't earn anything from God. We don't earn salvation. We don't earn deliverance. We don't earn walking in victory. We can't earn our way to those things. We've got to just get behind the blood and just say, Jesus, your mercy, your grace, you paid this expensive price. And so I'm going to receive that and I'm going to get behind the blood. And then you know that God is looking through Jesus, the perfect, perfect holiness of Jesus. And he sees you so you can come boldly. Isn't that good? And so when the enemy comes, you just say, oh, if it was up to me, you're right. I'd be dead and gone. You're right. Could get nothing on my merit. Even my best day, had my quiet time, made someone dinner, did my best. I'm going to screw up when I get to work, okay? (laughs) You know, but then you go, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I received the powerful blood of Jesus. And then we can boldly proclaim those things. Amen? So I want you all to stand And just declare with me, Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we honor you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are everything to us. God, you are worthy for our lives to be surrendered to you. God, we want to be a people that don't just love you, but we walk in that healthy fear of the Lord that hates evil and runs after righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, we want to be people who connect and commit to the body of Christ because we need it and because they need it. So God, help us be faithful. Help us be the body that you want us to be for you and for them, God. And Father, we ask for your word to be like fire. God, we ask that we would be people who hold your word accurately. We walk in the word and the spirit. We love you, Jesus. Amen.